and welcome to the New South Podcast. This is Laurie Beard, and I'm the host and also the person you're listening to without anyone else here sometimes. <laughs> um, I am talking today about peace in the body, and this topic really kind of came through the program that I just completed called, uh, called Elevate, which taught a new beginning for our relationships with our bodies and really taught body peace as the entry point to have a different relationship with eating, with food, and with kind of ourselves from the perspective of our bodies. And um, you can learn more about that in another program that's launching soon, uh, lauriebeard.com. And this whole year for me is is very heavily centered around the body, eating, food. I have a book coming out in September that's, it captures both sort of like my personal journey through this, but also um, all the work I've done for the last seven or eight years because I've very... Uh, consistently worked with people that have this specific um, pain point, like this struggle in their lives. And the reason I thought it would be good to talk about peace in the body today, really there's three reasons. Um, And the first is that there's this thing called the Enneagram, okay? And so learning about that has led me toward understanding more about, oh, how do we find peace in the body and like why do we need it? How does it change change our lives? Like how does it change our experience of our lives, almost like no matter what's going on. So the first thing is the Enneagram. The second thing is um, an experience I had around hurrying. Hurrying is the word I am saying in my southern accent, which kind of sounds like hurrying. <laughs> little, little bit, yeah, hurry, hurrying. The act of hurrying. To hurry. I have hurried. They hurried. That is the word I'm trying to say to you. But something that happened around um, when I stopped hurrying. So the Enneagram, hurrying, and then um, the sort of like political climate and peace in the body. So it's just kind of three things I thought would be really useful because what one thing I keep hearing in my social circles and also in like professional circles that I run in um, and on the news and just anecdotally on Facebook and all, all over the place is how uh, much change and chaos and unexpected uh, stuff is happening really like really has been happening for four or five months but it just not only through kind of election time but has carried obviously into um this year and not just politically like I've been hearing also you know just uh unexpected tragedies like just life happening in a way that feels um dynamic but not necessarily exciting right so it's not like yeah I got a promotion we're moving to my favorite city it's like oh my gosh, uh, there was a diagnosis or my family member, or oh my gosh, this person has um, has struggled with addiction for their life and their life is now gone. And it's um, that story alone of uh, uh, someone dying, what we could say too soon, right? A young person passing has happened in my social circles like three times in the past like six weeks, eight weeks. And it's just, um, it rattles us. And when you think about the rest of your life, like you still have to make lunch in the morning for your child or take them to school or be present for them. And they don't understand what's going on. And then meanwhile, you've got a relationship or you've got friendships or you have a family that you want to maintain those relationships. And like to be in this state of like total flux up and down and have like no sense of calm or peace is extremely distressing. It's hard. I find... um, my productivity drops, my mood state drops. I mean, it's just very, very hard for us, I think, to um, be moving in a direction that feels like growth or hope or goodness when we're in this, like, flux, flux, constant state, the anti-peace. And 
that's why I think this is an important conversation to have. So this is not going to be a long conversation. It's just, just what I've been thinking about for about three weeks. So first of all, the Enneagram, and then hurrying, and then kind of the peace and the political climate. So the Enneagram is something that um, I actually found when I was in college. I dated a boy whose mother was a psychologist, and I was uh, I had just finished my um, first psychology class when I met her and loved the subject, as you can probably guess based on the career that I am currently engaged in and have um, grown to love. And she recommended to me the Enneagram, and she gave me this book that says, Are You My Type? Am I Yours? And it was like, which type you are on the Enneagram? And just to back up for a second, the Enneagram is like... Um, it's more than a personality test, but it is a personality test. Like you can go online, Google Enneagram, and take a test and find out which of these nine different types you are. And the t it's all complex and interrelated, but at the end of the day, the point is um, that it's like uh, pulled. These types are pulled from like like archetypes, so it's not so much like the there's like the MBTI online test, which is a little more scientific, a little more data driven, and, and the Enneagram is more like story driven, the history of our people, tribal origins, um, all times and all races, the Enneagram, um, is a very, it, it kind of resonates on an unconscious level and it's really, really cool. And anyway, I found through that book that this guy <laughs> I was dating, his mom gave me the book. I'm like, Oh, our types aren't typically compatible. And I read about kind of like the typical issues between I w I'm a six and he was a seven, like typical, typical issues. And I was like, Oh, I see why this may not work for me. And ultimately we broke up. So maybe the mom was like, seemed like a decent fella, but, or gal, it, but, um, yeah, you guys need to split. And here's, here's, here's your clue. Are you my type? Am I yours? The answer is no, you're not. But anyway, I found, that's where I found the Enneagram. And then recently, um, have rediscovered it and read a lot of books and have, um, kind of, gotten a little more into it again, just in the sense of um, working with people. Like, you know, I obviously work with people one-on-one, -on -one. I work in groups, and just understanding how other people think when they're not your type, right? So like, um, my type is called the loyalist in some in some studies, it's number six. And, you know, uh, finding my tribe and being loyal to my tribe is very, I'm highly motivated by that. And yet, eight other types aren't, right? And so just to know that that my motivations are going to be fundamentally different than like a four. So I have a really good friend who's a four and it's like real deep feelings. It's the artist. It's um, everything is very, like these fours, it's like they want to be seen. They want to um, be seen as who they really are, right? It's like, it's beautiful, but it's, it, it is actually different from me. And just having that kind of orientation when dealing with people is really helpful in the workplace, in my work, and in family life, and all kinds of places. So in thinking about peace in the body, um, in the Enneagram, my type is um, also the, the other kind of like key hallmark of being a six, the loyalist, be, beyond just being loyal, is constant fear. Constant fear. And this has been really useful for me to know because I didn't realize I was afraid. And it's not fear like... I'm freaking out, I'm terrified, I'm worried, I'm stressed. It's fear, like true fear. Like if you've ever heard of the book, uh, who wrote it? The Gift of Fear. It's profiled on Oprah back in the day. But The Gift of Fear demonstrates how just like your horse sense, your intuition is actually healthy, flowing fear. And, and sixes are like almost constantly in the state. So when you think about peace and peace in the body and how peace is something, is a state from which um, when we feel secure, we're able to 
um, find a sense of peace, inner peace, an emotional experience of peace, and find and be at peace with ourselves, you know, that is not a heightened sense of awareness where all your senses are up, which is kind of this classic fear sense. But in the Enneagram, it's really cool, you guys. I think it'd be really awesome to go find out what type you are. It tells you a lot about um, maybe some of the problems you've had or struggles you've had or places where you have felt hung up. But the, my growth line for my type, so everybody's type has sort of like another number of these nine numbers that it, that's their growth line. Mine is to, toward number nine. And nine is like captain piece. It is like nine is like the, in in the beginning everybody was a nine. Like when we all were a society where of independent yes, but interrelated, interdependent people. Where I saw that oh, if you're suffering, that's like my problem too. You know, like uh, true tribal societies are primarily nines, and the nine is the peacemaker. And if you can hear in the background something that sounds like. A dog snoring? That's my dog snoring. <laughs> We've been together for a lot of days in a row, and I did not have the heart to kind of like ice him out during this time because I've been gone all day. But that's what that is. I, I swear that is my dog snoring. But um, the peacemaker is my my the line of growth for me, and it just so happens I'm married to a nine. Interesting. My point in all of this in the fact in the in a way that like would be relevant for you is that um at the end of the day when we are beginning to talk about how to find peace where do you feel peace um what's what does that mean how do you come to a place of peace with your body a peace come be at peace with what's happening around you even when it's not okay and even if you need to change it and even if that's good too you can still have a sense of peace that it's not a state of mind. So it's not like for me to grow or for any six to grow, right? I need to uh, think more peacefully or try to find peace, right? Because, I mean, if I have a big life event that's very, like, let's say if I, I don't know, switching careers. I mean, that was an intense thing that I've done and I helped a lot of people do. And I've helped a lot of people do it that are not the same type as me, right? And it's scary. So if you're nine, you're scared. If you're six, you're scared. If you're type seven, which is the adventurous, um, that's going to, it's going to be scary for everybody, right? But you can still have a sense of peace because peace is not a state of mind. I don't have to change my fundamental personality. I don't have to change the way I approach learning, the way I approach teaching, the way I approach interacting with people. You don't have to change the way you feel about the world or what's happening to you. Peace is not a state of mind. You don't have to see things differently. Peace is not a state of mind, but peace is a state of being. So my growth line towards a nine, towards the peacemaker, is to grow toward a different state of being. <clears throat> it's just peace is not a state of mind. It's a state of being. What I mean by that is best explained by a story on hurrying. And maybe last week or two weeks ago, my husband and I recorded a podcast on hurrying. And straight up, it was just like, I think it was like maybe later in the evening, or maybe it was really early in the morning. But while a lot of great things came out of it between the two of us, it wasn't something that I'm going to end up posting. Um, anyone who's in the field of writing or creating content knows that you create a lot more than you put out 
you, there's a lot more happening. <clears throat> there's a lot more saved on my computer than anyone is ever going to see out in the world. So, but the conversation we had around hurrying brought me to a place where I became much more aware of my state of hurry. Am I in hurry? Am I not in hurry? What happens with my relationship with my daughter when I'm hurrying? What happens in my work when I'm hurrying? When I'm hurrying through a, a, a blog, excuse me, or a podcast. And that entire orientation, as I reflected, brought me to a place where um, I decided an experiment where I just wasn't going to hurry. And so I actually took a vacation recently. Um, it was very, it was very impromptu and very much needed. But what I found was when I stopped hurrying, I saw, first of all, saw a lot more, I received a lot more information that was already happening all around me. Like just beautiful things in the world. Like I noticed there was this yard. I was on a walk with my daughter and I noticed that there was this yard and I saw in the bushes like a little animal move and it turned out that it was a cat, but it wasn't one cat. It was six cats. And my daughter was like, look, mommy cats. She saw it too. Cause she's never hurrying, like never hurrying. And then we spent like 45 minutes with those cats until, you know, it was kind of like we were done interacting with the five or six cats that were living in this one house or in this one yard or just congregated for like a kitty meeting or like whatever. And just this experience of like not hurrying and spending time with people I love is a gateway to this piece, this piece in my body, right? Because when we're hurrying, we're in our mind. When we're not hurrying, we have the option of returning to a state of presence, which is to be like in your body. There's this thing that like, very hard to describe verbally, so I'll just be brief, that um, there's this thing where we can not be present in our bodies, like basically our whole lives. And when you're in your mind in the future, in your mind in the past, you are not present. And your body can only live in the present. And so part of finding body peace, this this state of being, like peace is a state of being, is finding presence and finding it in our bodies and getting out of our heads. And no matter how evolved you are, I'm telling you, don't hate me, okay? But I'm telling you, you're probably in your mind 100% of the time. Even if you go to yoga every day, even if you have a mindfulness practice, I'm telling you, it is like, like I I don't know that I've had more than a handful of yoga teachers and I've got, been going to yoga for almost 20 years. Maybe a handful of teachers have ever been physically in their bodies. We're just so in our heads and our Western culture. I can't tell you that I'm like captain in my body. Like I'm not sitting up, putting myself up on a pedestal in this regard. I'm just telling you, if we assume we're in our minds, we're in a much, much stronger place to actually find peace in our bodies, to get presence, to find that state of being that's like peace in our bodies. So what happened when I stopped hurrying is I found this new orientation of like peace in my body and nothing had really changed, right? My, my schedule was my schedule. My responsibilities are my responsibilities as a parent, as a wife, as a, you know, human being in the world. But I felt more peaceful. It was like this peace was available to me when I stopped hurrying. And finally, I wanted just to offer this note about surrender and politics. And it's like peace and politics. And I think, you know, we talked about sort of like 
our personal orientation in our lives. Like if you look at, I use my own example of like my Enneagram type and like my personal growth, but, but you know, it's true for everybody, right? Cause we're fearful of losing our loved ones. We're fearful of lo- losing our status. We're afraid that people will find out we're not perfect. We can all realize that this kind of sense of body peace is, is like changing our state of being and that of course, like when we revisit our relationship with hurrying, that's like a huge, what's the right word? Step deeper into body peace. But then at the same time, like there's action in the world to be taken. I have a friend who flew up to Washington for the march, for the um, women's march, and like She's not, she's very uh, active politically. She's always been a political activist, even when we were living in um, Austin. But she's not, she's a very calm, peaceful person. She's not like an activist that's all agitated all the time. She's funny, she's fun, loves to have a great time. We love, I've, I, she's my favorite person to go to improv and comedy with because she's just, she's just so fun. It's like, you know, she's chill, she's great. But, She's very politically active. And in, in, in Texas, I remember, I didn't know this at the time, but she and her husband would walk around Austin and hand out flyers for the parties they supported, right? So here's this, like, super chill, uh, very left-wing Texan girl who's also taking a lot of action in the world. So I think when thinking about peace in the body, it's not a peace, a place of surrendering and being passive to everything around us. I think it's, like... Um, the place from which we actually make the most effective change. Um, and my friend's such a great example, but another great example is just if you think about someone who is very uh, different from you, like if you know, if you ever met anybody who's very different from you, but when you talk to them, it's like that doesn't matter. Like it doesn't get under your skin and they're not trying to convince you of anything and they're just kind of sharing something or maybe they're just listening and maybe you don't even know how, in what ways that their opinions may be different from you, but like you get the sense that you're not cut from the same kind of cloth in enough ways that you're like this, this person and I probably aren't along the same voting lines or, you know, financial lines or whatever, but it doesn't matter. And think about how much more open you are to what they do have to say. But that is peace as a state of being. And so when we think about making change in the world that is for the greater good and for the betterment of people that are suffering, people that are um, realizing how much the political system is not working for us, people that are realizing the atrocities that we have been turning blind eyes to because it's painful to acknowledge them you can see how achieving peace as a state of being through even just like not hurrying as much this week, like paying a little bit more attention to what's going on around you, finding a little bit more presence in your body, how that can impact, can actually, rather than create a war, rather than throwing the first punch by disagreeing with people, when you've come from a place of peace as a state of being, how that can actually be received with listening ears. It's something my daughter has taught me. She points to her ear and she says, listening ears, mommy. Listening ears, guys. <laughs> listening ears, mommies and daddies and brothers and sisters. Because we all want to be heard and feel heard. And we all need to feel like uh, we are impacting the world in a way that um, 
is not only uh, allowing ourselves to grow, like it's a universal need to need to feel like we're growing, but also um, to feel like we have we have a sense of purpose, a direction that's like truly in alignment with something that's larger than us. I mean, these are these are universal needs, and they look different for all of us because we're all different people. But when you think of peace in the body, it's a state of being that allows for us to have all of those things. It's the, it's the foundation. And that's all. That's all for today. Have a wonderful day. Come back to lauriebeard.com for more. Take care. Bye.